I'm committing to a time period in my mind that I will not stop for any reason, regardless of what I'm doing. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. Hello, Azria family. Hello, hello, hello. This is Marcus Maloney, the host of the Azria Show, and I have Michael Del Preet, who is the executive director of Azria and our lovely co-host on the show. So, Mike, like I always do, how are you doing today? Wonderful, man. And th- I've never been called lovely before, so I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. So, Mike, what did you get? Did you get some stuff done today, man? How's, how's your day going? It's not done. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Day, man. I still got four more hours, at least five more hours. So, yes, we got a lot done today, taking action. So, I'm good, man. Thanks for everyone. Okay. All right, perfect. So, Guys that are watching and listening, we have Brennan Wiersma on with us today. Uh, Brennan is an Azria member out of Prescott Valley, and he is going to be talking with us and sharing with us about wholesaling, fixing and flipping. And we're going to come from a newbie perspective on today because Brennan has been a year in and he's broken that magic threshold of analysis paralysis, and now is actually doing deals. So I'll let Brennan tell us how he got started. So Brennan, man, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me. It's, it's kind of a, an honor to be on the Azria show. It's a, it's a big deal. <laughs> it is. All right. Thanks for being it here. It is. It is. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for being here, man. So tell us, let's go through the steps. How long have you been a member of, of Azria? So I've been in real Estate about a year, and I've been a member of Azaria for about a year. That's actually got that's what got me my first deal. And uh, I mean, I think it's one of the most valuable things you can do. I don't know. I can't speak for the other states. I've heard that Arizona kind of has the the best RIA you can go to. Yes, um, it is. But I mean, I I couldn't recommend it enough. And it's honestly, I, I look forward to the the monthly subgroup meeting in Prescott every month, just because this is what I'm interested in now. And so it's getting to talk with like-minded people and it's fun, honestly. So. All right. Perfect. Uh, and Alan is our subgroup leader in Prescott. So, I mean, I know you've been working a lot with him. So if anyone's listening, you could, I think he was our very first podcast episode, actually. Alan, so check that one out. So, so how, so, so how you started going to this, was that your first experience to real estate investing or were you doing like podcasts? Like where, how are you involved in real estate? Yeah, so it kind of a roundabout way how I got involved with Azria. So during the the COVID lockdown stuff, I had a lot of time to just think about really what I wanted to do. And I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, which then led me to think and grow rich. And I didn't know what to to do. It was just like I knew I wanted to go in that direction. And so I kind of pirated Napoleon Hill's idea of just talking to all the rich people. And mm-hmm. so I started a podcast where I would go knock on mansion doors in Paradise Valley and just ask them if they would sit down and talk about how to get wealthy. And the podcast is called the Get Wealth Podcast. And it turns out that most people that have wealth are in real estate. And so I started going down that rabbit hole, 
think found a few YouTube channels. And then eventually I looked up, no, I, I read a book called How to Pay Off Student Debt with Rental Properties. And the guy in that book got involved with the local RIA. So I Googled Arizona Real Estate Investors Association. I called the, the leader of it, which it was the Prescott Group, which ended up being Alan. And um, went on one of those calls. I think I went to a couple meetings, just started networking. I uh, stayed in touch with Alan a little bit more. And that eventually ended up leading to my first deal because I called a list Perfect. for his for his market and found a deal and locked it up. And okay. the rest was history. All right. All right. Well, we, we're going to talk about that first deal. What I want to jump into is, so you just wanted to know about getting wealthy and you said, I'm just going to go and knock on some doors and talk to some rich people. Right. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, well, so, yeah. Tell us about that. So how'd it go? Yeah. How many did you do? Like, how was the reception? Were they telling you, you know, were they welcoming or what? It's probably similar to cold calling, honestly, but they were, most people were surprisingly friendly. Most people did say no, but there were a few, a few of them that said yes and ended up being pretty cool conversations. The first one was actually kind of funny because somehow I just had good timing and got in when their gate was open and there ended up being a bachelor party going on there. So I knocked on the door oh, wow. and they invited <laughs> me in and it was like, you know, so many people there and it was a an insanely nice place. And uh, they were like, Oh, you got to talk to our buddy, Tom, who was a luxury travel sales agent. And so he would book trips for like celebrities and tour them around Africa and stuff and had a pretty good gig doing that. And so it was fun for me just to be there and experience the whole thing. And he provided some insight on, you know, how he, he makes money. So that was the first one. And then from there, I did another one with a, a guy who had a career in the Air Force and made a good living just from that. And then also flies for FedEx, which I'm also a commercial pilot. So that was oh. kind of a weird coincidence yeah. because, you know, similar career paths. And then let's see, from there, those were the two where I actually sat down and did interviews from door knocking. And then I kind of transitioned into Zoom calls from there. Okay. Uh, but I mean, overall, people are pretty friendly if you come with good intentions and just want to pick their brain. And that's, yeah. And that's good because a lot of people have that fear of just going and talking to strangers or knocking on doors or anything like that. But you said, Mm -hmm. as long as you have good intentions, you know, people are willing to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of served me with the rest of the real estate stuff because it's almost like, the mindset of doing ridiculous uh, amount of action. Like nobody would think of just going and knocking on big houses doors and asking to talk to them. And so it's like, I have in my mind where it's like, okay, if I'm stupid enough to go do that, like, why can't I, you know, go talk to this property owner or go door knocking and actually have a real reason to talk to somebody. So it served me that way. I think it's a common theme amongst people that, do a lot of deals or are successful is they, you know, they just relentlessly take action. And that's kind of my, my thought process behind it is I got to put my money where my, where my mouth is, you know? Excellent. So that that morphed into the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So it was actually, I would knock on their door and say, Hey, will you record an interview with me? I'd like to just chat with you about how you make money. And it started out as, the podcast. So that was the first couple interviews I did. 
Oh, I, I did one in Prescott where it was a civil engineer. He owned a really nice house in, in the, the Prescott area. So that was the first one. Then I went to Paradise Valley. And uh, yeah, and then I just started doing Zoom interviews from there. Okay. So, so tell us about your first interaction at the subgroup meeting in Prescott. What was, what was you thinking? What were you thinking, expecting? And what did you get out of? Hmm. Yeah, so... I didn't really know what to expect. It was on Zoom because we were still in the yeah. lockdowns, but I just showed up and I mostly listened because to be honest, I didn't know anything. And so there wasn't a lot I could contribute to the conversation. I was probably the youngest one there by quite a bit. And so I think people there were more interested in just seeing what I had to say or what my interest was, or you know, if I was just there to learn. And then I think once people know that you're just wanting to, to learn, if they're already there talking and it's part of their business or lifestyle, then I think people are pretty open to just kind of spilling everything to you. And so that that was really my impression was most people were just really eager to tell you how to get started or how to get involved because people that have done it know how great it is. And so you could really, you could really see that just from even being in the group. And that's a good point because I think when people are new to, you know, coming to the meetings, there's a lot of people. I know this was on Zoom, but when you're in that new stage of any area, you think like, oh, I don't want to sound stupid or I'm not, you know, I haven't done that many deals. So whatever it is, you have these limiting thoughts. So what I'd like to always say, no, that the people here at the Rio or anywhere, any successful person, they actually actually want to help and give you some advice. I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah. I think it's, it's like a combination of, you have to be willing to listen to what they say because sometimes people think they know way more than they do when they start or want to feel like they have some sort of credibility. And so it's a combination of just being willing to listen to the advice and apply it. And then also not expecting to get a handout, you know, like Mm -hmm. people will tell you what they know, but they're not going to let you take advantage of them. So at a certain point, like what I ended up doing was calling a list for somebody, which, you know, is helpful. I mean, they don't really lose anything from that. It's only, you know, so the leading with value idea is important. Okay. So let's, let's actually talk about that. So leading with value, how did you propose that? Because you said you did that with Alan Woodruff. So what did you do? You just walked up to Alan and said, Hey man, I'll do whatever it takes to get that first deal. Let me work with you. You know, how did that, how did that conversation go? Yeah, I got to remember back. I think it was oh, come actually. Come on, you're, you're a young guy. It's only a year. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, no, there's just so much in a, in a, a short year of, of events. But yeah, no, I, I think he actually reached out to me about calling the list because that's not something I would have even known to do at the time. Okay. I, mean, it, I didn't realize people actually pulled lists and called them like with a dialer. I, I didn't have a dialer. I didn't know what that was. It was more of he was investing in a specific market in Indiana. And he was like, look, if you can find me a deal and if it's a good enough deal, I'll, I'll pay, pay you for it. And you can, we can do a wholesale deal. And so, I mean, like, I think we actually got lunch and talked about different ways to find deals. And he was basically just like, let's see what you can do. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Go, go find a deal. And so then I took it upon myself to like, I kind of did a little, a little bit of everything. I individually skip traced 
those addresses and that ended up taking a little more time than I was expecting. So I got batch driven and did virtual driving for dollars, which is how I did four deals doing that was actually using batch driven. So that ended up being the, the thing that worked. So even though he had a list of kind of what he was looking for, I just kind of took it into my own hands and used the software to kind of just cherry pick the best leads off of batch driven. Wow. So, so you, he gave you some type of list and you, I'm assuming you got some of your own leads as well, or was it all his leads? Well, yeah. So he, he gave me a list. It was like, here's a starting point. Like you can mail to this or call it, or I don't know what you want to do, but just go, go find a deal and I'll buy it. And so I actually ended up not really using the list at all. I just used batch driven to, okay. to find deals. Love it, man. And, uh, on batch driven, you can, it'll, it'll highlight potential leads. I don't know how that come, it came up with it actually, but I, uh, and you can, it's like virtually driving for dollars. Yep. And so it'll have properties that are vacant. It'll highlight them. I don't know what it is now. That was almost a year ago. Well, that's, I mean, that's, it's good because you showed initiative, you know, you just said, okay, Okay, all right, Alan, this is what we do. You gave me a list. All right, let me figure it out. And let me just get out there and take action and get it done. And that's what you did. You know, Alan didn't have to hand hold you. He didn't have to spoon feed you. He just said, right. hey, just go out and find me a deal and let's work it together. Yeah. And I mean, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to retire off any of those deals. But to me, it was like, the fact that I could go through the process and do the deal. And then even on top of that, make a, a fee, it just blew my mind. And so, I mean, after four of them, it's, I mean, it's kind of hard to do four deals with someone and not, you know, develop some sort of a relationship or, you know, a partnership even at that point to, to do more deals. And it's kind of what it turned into because now we're doing deals in the Prescott market where we actually just did our first flip that went really well about a couple of weeks of three three weeks ago now. So I mean, it ended up being more valuable than I could have ever even imagined. So, so going back. So, so now you were just, you would drum up the conversation. Homeowner would call you or you'd call them. You take some intake form application, bed, bath, why you're selling, why, you know, what's the pain. And then would you do, what would you do there? Would you then take that to Alan and, and review it with him? Let's see. So, yeah, I mean, or did you just point, I, was, I was so bad on the phone. I'm not even sure I was asking good enough questions to get enough information. I would, I, I'd had no idea how batch driven would put the lead, but some of them would have like a little flame emblem above that property. And so mm-hmm. I would just click on those ones and it would pull up a name and a phone number. And I think I would, the first thing I would say would be, uh, I'm calling about this property. I wanted to see if you'd consider an offer. And I was hand dialing every single one. So I would just okay. sit there for, I don't know, four, four hours at a time and uh, maybe even longer. And then eventually someone would want a number or they would tell me they would sell it for a certain amount. I would eventually get to that point. Probably, I probably left so many deals on the table just from screwing up the conversations, but eventually someone would give me a number. And then Alan had a spreadsheet that was like, he's really big on cap rates. And so mm-hmm. if it fit the cap rate, if it was above, I think a, a 12 cap or a 13 cap or something like that, then it was a deal. And so I would just take it, plug it into the spreadsheet. And I eventually, I eventually learned what a cap rate was, but you know, mm-hmm. if it was above that, then basically I would just send over the offer and lock it up. 
Okay. Simple so, as that. Very simple. Very simple. So, so let me ask you about this, Brennan. This mm-hmm. was in Anderson, Indiana. Have you ever yeah. been to Anderson, Indiana? No, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> do, do you know anybody in Anderson, Indiana at the time when you no. first was doing this? Okay, let's see. Did you have any cash? No, not enough to, to talk okay. about, no. <laughs> All right, so, so what, and the reason why I'm asking this is because those are a lot of the roadblocks that a lot of people think in their mind. They're like, okay, well, I don't have any money. I don't know anybody in a virtual market. And what was the other one, Mike? Help me out. No money, virtual market. You know, yeah, he didn't go there. Yeah, um, and he didn't go there. No money. So what I'm saying is he, he didn't even have a script. You didn't right. even say, I can't call without a script. You just asked <laughs> him if he did or an offer. That's how simple it, it should be. And you just looked at the computer screen, looked at the ones with little flames on it. You <laughs> 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 made it even easier. So it was like, that's, I think you're, you're do, you did great, man, because you wanted to start a podcast. Just went knocking on doors. I would have never done that. Sorry. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't think I would have either. You need to take your deals back to that neighborhood, knock on the doors again, so you got a deal now. But, um, <laughs> yeah, probably. But you know what I'm saying? So the, I could, the initiative that you're putting out there, you're not overthinking it. You're just jumping right in and you're you're building the plane while you're in the air, kind of, so to speak, and figuring it out. And it'll always work out. So that, I, that's what's, that's why you're on here, man. That's what I, yep. what I you, man. So awesome. Yeah. I, I, think, I think part of it for me is I'm, I'm not committing to the result. I'm committing to a time period in my mind that I will not stop for any reason, regardless of what I'm doing. Like if I'm just committing for five years to like relentlessly try to move forward in real estate and whether that is going to be just door knocking or cold calling, I'll find the best means of doing it, but I'm not committing to like, I need to, make this amount of money or see results in this amount of time where I'm not going to do it anymore. It's like a Kobe quote is like the contract's already written. I'm, I'm not backing out. It's already signed. I'm, I'm doing it. And so that's the, the mentality I'm, I'm going into it with is if I'm going to commit to something, I'm going to see it through. And then, yeah, maybe it would probably take 10 years of not seeing anything for me to, to just stop at this gotcha. point. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the hard things to figure out, especially as entrepreneurs is, okay, when do you persevere and keep going? And when do you know, hey, you know what? This is not working out for me. Yeah. Always the easy answer is you just never quit. You never quit, never quit. But sometimes you hit that, that, that area where you say, okay, well, you know what? I may, be, I may not be best suited in this field. Let me go to something else. But what I like about you, Brennan, is, you said, hey, I'm just going to do it and I'm just going to keep doing it and keep doing it until something happens. So, man, kudos to you, man. Congratulations, you know, for the success that you've had so far in this short period of time. So so four deals. So walk us briefly. So you got that first one done, probably got some motivation, excitement. You, you found out it was real. And was the next three deals the same process? Well, wait, Mike, let's 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 ask them because. He's never been to Anderson, Indiana. Don't know anybody in Anderson, Indiana. So how did you get pictures? How did you know what to lock it up for? Stuff like that. What did you do? Yeah, the first four deals were a little bit easier for me in that aspect because I was able to leverage Alan's resources over there. 
And he, so he had a guy that would just, I mean, as soon as I would send a lead over, we would basically have pictures because he would just go and check it out for us. But then eventually I went to Indianapolis and that was where I had to kind of do it on my own. And it felt like I was uh, in a little bit of new territory because I didn't have some of those pieces, but it was, it was surprisingly simple and not, not difficult. (laughs) So you went to Indianapolis? Yeah, I did three deals in Indianapolis after that. So you went, did you say you went there? Oh, oh no, no, no. I didn't, I didn't travel to Indianapolis either. No. Okay. You went there as in switched your market or virtually. So you got some, you got some experience, figured out how, how it works. So what, what, what Brennan did was what we call reverse wholesaling. So you found a buyer and buyer that's serious and is willing to perform on a deal. If you bring the deal, you found their criteria and then you went to their neighborhood, their market, their zip code, wherever it is. And then you just hunted for a deal in that market. So when Marcus said, Hey, how'd you get the pictures? You just leveraged your buyer. and He already had all the resources. That's the easiest way mm-hmm. you know, to get it done. So, so then you, okay. So then you segue to Indianapolis on your own, knowing, no, not knowing anybody. Yeah. Then I was just completely on my own. And at that point I had refined my strategy a little bit. I don't know if I was going to tell somebody right now, I wouldn't say go use batch driven and virtually drive for dollars. I think the better way, which I had no clue about, I didn't hear from anybody until I did. I don't know. I think I then heard about batch leads. So then I went into pulling a list and I would hand dial calling those lists. And then eventually I got a dialer after I had enough deals to be able to buy the dialer. <laughs> okay. Love it. Love it. And, and you said something earlier. I just want to clarify how, how on average, how long did you spend on the phone calling? Oh, I was in that four or five hour ballpark a day, <laughs> just getting on the dialer and or getting on the hand dialing it. So it's a little yeah. more grueling because mm-hmm. you gotta, I yeah. mean, you can, you can call for five hours, but then take a lunch break and watch a Netflix show. I mean, it was like constantly. Yeah, awesome. that shows your, your level of commitment, the level of commitment to what you were doing. And one thing I always tell people getting started is you normally have two first deals. It's the first deal that you've ever done. And you normally have a mentor or somebody like that that help you. And then it's that second first deal where it's like, all right, I'm doing this all on my own. No help. I'm getting 100 percent of the profit. Let me figure it out. So, <laughs> yeah, so tell, yeah, yeah. tell us about the, the second first deal in Indianapolis. Did you get yeah. one up? Yeah. So the, the second first deal would have been my fifth deal. Cause maybe I, I <laughs> hung out a little bit too long in my comfort zone with the reverse wholesaling, but okay. I, let's see, it was actually my, my fiance was the one that found the lead. Cause she, she does this with me. So cold call and uh, she got the lead and he called me back later and said he was interested in an offer and I asked him what his offer was. And it was, it was kind of a weird subdivision with comps. He was asking for, I think, 50,000 and I lowballed him at 30. I mean, people probably here are thinking like what $50,000 for a property. That's not crazy in Indianapolis, right. depending on where the area is. But I said 30 and then he came back with like 45 and then I said, the most I could do is 35. And he said, okay. And so then I was all, I was still like a little bit unsure because it was probably going to get wholesaled to a landlord or like a buy and hold investor, not a flipper. So it's a little bit different running the numbers than 
you know, the 70% minus mm-hmm. repairs formula. But I, I knew the numbers were good enough with the rent that it passed the 1% rule. And so I sent them over, sent them over a contract, got it, got it locked up. I gave myself like 20 days, I think. And then from there, it was just psycho cold calling cash buyers. Cause I, you know, I wanted to make sure if it was a deal that the buyer that would see it, I would contact him. And so eventually there was a, you know, big buyer over there. What do they go by? The guy's name is Ronnie simple quarters. Okay. And I, uh, he, let's see, I sent it out to him. I, my goal was to make 5k. And then he, he came back and he gave me here. He offered 37. And to me, I was just blown away. I was like, I have somebody that wants to buy my deal and I'm going to make something on it. So to me, that yep. was like a huge win already. So I came back with him and I was like, can you do 38, five? And, um, he ended up taking that. And so I signed it to him and then it was a simple process with the assignment and the title company, Investors Title Services over there. Shout out to them. How, how'd you find them? Yep. What Same one work? from Anderson. or they, They're in Indianapolis, but that's the okay. one I used to do the other deals. Okay. okay. Got it. You already knew they were investor friendly. They knew all the assignment stuff, all that. Exactly. Man, that, that, that is a true testament to the power of mentorship. Because... Yeah. Think if you tried to do all of those steps on your own without any help, you would have you wouldn't have had the title company. You wouldn't have known about pulling a list. You wouldn't have known about how to skip trades. You wouldn't have known about you know how to find you know cash buyers. So that's really the power of mentorship because you were able to go from deal zero to deal five relatively quickly because you had the mentor. But you also have the initiative too, you know. So yeah, yeah man, mm-hmm. that, that that speaks volume of your character and, and your stick toitiveness is what I call it. <laughs> New work. I like it. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I appreciate it. No, it is it's a huge deal to have a mentor. Sorry, go ahead. So what else happened then? So now here we are, you're on your fifth deal, on see so your fifth, second, first deal. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're calling now. You you got your money. So then, did you stay in Indianapolis? Because now you have five. How many deals have you done this year? I think ten, and then we're about to do eleven. Okay, so you, so okay. you're half you're halfway there. This is in how many months was this process so far that we're talking about? So it took me four months to get my first deal under contract, and then I think I did about a deal a month after that. So it was kind of just like one a month I would end up doing uh, okay. with Alan and then also into the three in Indianapolis. And so those, those were pretty much the same story as the, the first one I did on my own, just cold calling. I found a, found a motivated seller and uh, found a buyer. I mean, just relentlessly cold calling cash buyers. That's honestly, Brandon from Bigger Pockets talks about like what feels heavy to you. To me, the disposition side of it, I'd rather just get the deal. So that'll, I don't know if it'll be, it's technically not my, I've already hired cold callers, but mm-hmm. I, I really want to outsource that part of it. <laughs> okay. So there, there's no right or wrong way, right? Some people are always like, do I start with finding the buyers and go look for the deal, the reverse wholesaling, or do I go mm-hmm. find the deal, which can take more time and money and energy, then go find the buyer? Or So I ultimately, I think if you could do both, and so there's no mm-hmm. right or wrong way, right? So yeah. you know, 
So yeah, I like the, me personally. Yes. I like to have control. So I do set up the front end, you know, sales system, so to speak. Yeah. However, you're out, if you're doing in the business, you're out there networking, you're meeting people, you should be building your buyers list every day anyways. You know what right. I mean? That's great, totally. man. So what else? Where else are we going with this, man? So you got well, your. Let's you take got- a brief, let's take a brief break real quick. Hear a word from our sponsors. And then when we come back, we'll come back and talk to Brennan about some of the other things that he's doing because he's did 10 deals in a year. We're on deal five. So we still have, we're halfway down the road. All right. So let's hear, have a brief break from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Are your real estate dreams on hold with work, kids, everything else going on? Time is limited. Most days you feel like the world's on your shoulders. You might even say to yourself, if I just had someone to lean on and push me in the right direction, I know things would happen quicker. Well, then you need to check out the Deal Finders Club, a community of investors eager to close more deals, sign more contracts, and just get ahead in life. The DFC provides weekly coaching, thriving online community, and all the education you need to be confident. DFC is your fastest path to closing more deals. To learn more, head over to azdfc.com. That's az dfc.com okay guys we are back with back with brennan and we're talking about wholesaling as a newer investor getting started brennan is right around a year anniversary getting started as a wholesaler got started with virtual wholesaling with a mentor through asria so brennan you had some successes we talked about your successes now let's talk about some of those failures some of those roadblocks that you hit because I understand that you had two failed deals. So let's start, talk about the first failed one. Kind of walk us through that process. What happened? Yeah. So the first one, I mean, I always try to figure out what I could do differently so I can get something from them. And I actually ended up getting a little bit of profit from it still, just because it was on the buyer end. But I think ultimately as a wholesaler, you should really take pride in fulfilling your part of the agreement. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they, they still kind of bug me just in the back of my head of like, dang it, I wish I would have done that better. And, you know, you feel kind of weird, but yeah. So I was in black Canyon city and it was a cold calling lead. I got it from a pre foreclosure list, but he had bought it from like a trustee sale or something. So it it wasn't actually a pre foreclosure situation, but it was a pretty distressed property. Like it was going to be, you know, I mean, 80, 80 grand, it was a full rehab and about 1400 square feet. Okay. So I, I actually went and looked at it before I sent him an offer just because I couldn't really get an idea of what the condition really was by what he was saying. Mm-hmm. So I went out there, took some pictures and he was like really stuck on the price. So like there, it was the lowest I was going to get. And it was like, in my mind, it was still a deal, but I was like, I don't like to go for the skinny deals because it's just less likely that, you know, it's yeah. more likely that something can yeah, go wrong yeah. on yep. the buyer side of things. But anyways, I decided to, to shoot my shot and got under contract. It was like, it was like 150 and I, I sent it out, had quite a bit of interest. I would, my intention was actually to flip that one as well, but it was just kind of too big of a project for me. And in that area, being a little bit further away from Prescott Valley. So I, I cold called cash buyers on Google, just Googled cash buyers in Arizona. I mean, I had somebody that said they wanted it sight unseen and they put earnest money in that same day. 
So I was like, holy smokes. All right. How much earnest money you make them put up? Let's see. I, I actually only requested 2000 earnest money, which I think is low, especially for the Phoenix area. Yeah. But, but the, so the deal goes like all the way up to the finish line. And like, towards the end, I start not hearing anything from the buyer side, like what's going on. And I know in my head, they put the earnest money in. So it's not like they're completely just going right. to ghost me on it. And then I get a call from the guy the day, basically like a couple of days before, I think. And he's like, look, we're going to take the loss on this. It's just not, I don't know really even the reason why maybe they were going to try to assign my assignment or something. Yeah. But uh, he, he offered to put 2000 more into earnest money to like save the, the relationship. So he oh, actually wow. did that, which was, I was like, dang, that's crazy. Okay. That was generous. So I, I actually got four, $4,000 off of that one, but unfortunately the, the deal fell through, which the sell, it wasn't a situation where the sellers had like packed up all their stuff and were, you know, ready to go yeah. on that. They were, weren't really in much worse of a spot than before. So that made, me, made me, that made me feel a little better about it, but I still, I don't like to have deals fall out. So, so how did you communicate that to the, to the sellers? Let's see. So by, by the end of it, he actually knew that my main intention was wholesaling it because I had communicated him. I had communicated with him that it was kind of out of our, you know, our scope for what mm -hmm. we were looking for at that point. But I was going to try to find a, an end buyer and he, he had kind of asked me. So that's kind of how it came up. It wasn't like I was just, you know, upfront and saying like, Hey, just so you know, like okay. this is a wholesale deal. Cause I really don't think that's how you should do it anyways. You should be an investor you should go in with the intention of fulfilling your yep. part of the contract. And then you also have that option, but he knew a little bit about it. And so he asked if that's what I was doing. And I said, yeah, we're looking at this as a flip for us, but you know, if we find a buyer, we might just choose to do that. Okay. And so kind of towards the end, I had let him know, Hey, yeah, we actually have someone that's going to step in on this. And he didn't care how much I was going to make. He just said, as long as he got his money, which that's how most okay. people are. And so through that communication, we're like, Oh, everything's good. We're looking ready for closing on this day. And then I had to call him and be like, Hey, look, I'm, I'm really sorry, but it, I'm not going to be able to close. The buyer decided that it wasn't going to work. And yeah. so at that point, just he was okay with it and said, all right, well, thanks for trying. Well, I mean, no, th those go ahead, Mike. No, no. Okay. No, I was going to say, did, did you two, two things? Did you have an earnest deposit with him? Yeah, it's a hundred bucks. Okay. <laughs> oh, it is, right? <laughs> Which I'm assuming you lost. Yeah. Yep. I think I lost a hundred bucks. Yep. <laughs> Got it. And did you ask, you know, now that you had that everything out in the air, right? Like, hey, tried to move it. It's too work, too much work for us. It's too much work for the then buyer. I mean, I think it's pricing. Did you try to maybe ask them if you'd consider going lower? Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I had Templeton Walker was going to buy it at one forty five. Okay. And so I was like, in my mind, I was like, look, if you can even do five k, I'll just do, get nothing. Like, I'll, I'll just get the deal done. But yeah. he was so stubborn on the one fifties and. That was, that was it. He was like, uh, I'm not going to negotiate at all. You can't. So. Okay. Well, honestly, I mean, good job because it's difficult having that, that conversation, but the way you laid it out up front in the beginning, that call to him saying that you won't be able to perform was a little bit easier than it would have been, you know, if they were packed up, ready to move to Carolina or something like that, you know? So, yeah. Okay.
So anybody, you know, we always want the deal to go through, right? We never want to take earnest deposits, right? That's always, you know, we want everyone to win on Mm -hmm. this, but it does happen, unfortunately, right? So you hit a good point. Sometimes there's people that act like they're the buyer, but their whole intention is to wholesale your wholesale deal. Right. Which I'd rather them communicate with me personally. But yeah. like, so they did, you know, I'm not, whatever the scenario was, they put up the money that now it's their deal. Right. You know, but you, what I always would do is always have backup buyers. I'm always letting people know, keeping people on the burner. But sometimes you got to take the money. And, and then luckily it was, I'm assuming, a cashier's check. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So always take a cashier's check, never take a personal check, never take money orders. They all slow up deals or they, you know, they, or they can cancel those things. So yeah, it's part of the business, man. Sometimes you get a couple deals don't go through, but you get paid. Okay. Yeah. Now that was, that was a failed transaction on the buyer side. Yeah. Now what happened with your transaction where a seller kind of was wishy-washy with you? Yeah. And I'll, and I'll say, I'll still take responsibility for the buyer side. Cause like Mike was saying, you can have backup buyers. You can mm-hmm. get the deal at a deeper discount where they wouldn't have had issues selling it if that was their intention. So I, I still take it as my responsibility, but yeah, that was as a result of the buyer side with the seller side. It's another, I'm, I'm, I swear I'm an idiot sometimes with, with this, but that's kind of the part of my tendency of like just doing first without maybe to a fault thinking as much as I should. So that's, it's kind of helped me, but also sometimes it's hurt me a little bit because, you know, I'm, I'm more like not the type to get stuck on building a website or having an LLC, which can be useful and important sometimes. And my tendency is just to like, not worry about it and just go for it. Uh, so part of that, uh, I mean, that played into this one a little bit where I thought it was a really good deal and it was in Dewey, but it was, it was a flip pretty recently where that was my intention anyways. And with the changing market and the amount of rehab after I went and saw it, it was like, Oh man, this is a little more than we're ready to get into. And so um, I, you know, I started trying to market it for wholesaling and I put it in a Facebook group and the, and I'll, I'll explain what I did wrong and why I wouldn't do it that way anymore. But I put it in a Facebook group and somebody that the seller knew saw me posting the, it it was like a Google images and not that that's wrong. And it was in my agreement that we have the right to market it and all these different ways. And it was fully disclosed, but the seller gets a message from some neighbor, I don't know who saying somebody's trying to sell your house for you and that doesn't own it. And is, you know, somehow, you know, trying to go behind your back, which, wasn't the case. I was just trying to market my wholesale deal, but so she calls me and is filled with emotion because she thinks that it's somebody pulling one over her or something. Mm -hmm. And at that point there was just really no saving it because of how frustrated they were. And so I did my best, but I mean, I I couldn't even get a word in edgewise to explain myself. It was like, we're not doing this by like that, that sort of thing. And so I just let it go. I'm not going to, you know, chase them or anything that, even if I could have, I wouldn't feel good about it. So just let it go. Yeah, you didn't do anything wrong there, man. That, that was, it happens. You yeah. know, hey, I wouldn't happens. even be surprised if it was another wholesaler that did that to you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it just happens, man. People do that. So yeah, some things you can't fix, but you moved on, right? That That's that's all you could do. You know, you're, there's always going to be a percentage of your deals that you lock up every month that don't go through for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. 
our inspection periods. I do like the way you think, man, because you're like, you want, you know, you never want to put someone that's in a truly pain point situation and lock it up at the wrong price and they have their bags packed and they think you're saving mm-hmm. their life. And then you back out oh, like that's the worst, right? Like, so, so it seems like, you know, yeah, you're doing it right, man. So I, I wouldn't beat yourself up on anything, man. Like you're doing what you got to do. Ah, I appreciate it. <laughs> so Brennan, what would you tell someone that is getting started and they're going through that frustration of they're doing some marketing and they're just not gaining that traction? What would you tell that? Speak to that individual for us. Yeah. So I think part of that is realizing that it doesn't really go away. Like everyone's like, oh, I want to get my first deal. I want to do the the thing everyone talks about and I can say I'm an investor or whatever. And it's great to get the first deal. But at that point, you don't have systems and processes and like much momentum at that point anyway. So the second deal is also really hard to get. It's just, you kind of have this idea that you can, you can do it. And so now you're a little more motivated to keep going. But even after the first deal, it's still, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but for me, the entrepreneur type of, I guess the part of my life is honestly where I find the most value and interest and fulfillment, but it's, it's like up and down constantly. So even once you've like in your mind, if you haven't done a deal, you think, okay, once I'm at that point, it's going to feel differently or I'm, I'm never going to worry. It's like, it, it's just different. It's not the same type of worry, but like there's still times where it sucks and you're not sure if it works anymore and you doubt yourself and it's really difficult. And so to the person who's wanting to do their first deal, I would, I guess I would just tell them that it's, it's not about the first deal. It's about committing to doing it over a long enough time horizon to see incremental results over time, because that's, that's really what it is. It's not, it's not about one deal or any specific deal. Like the only time you lose is if you quit. That's, that's when you lose. And I sat, that sounds kind of cliche, but it's true. Like in, in my mind, I'm going to commit to this for like 10 years. And I say 10 years, but it's going to be much longer than that. But that's the, the way I'm looking at it. And so if I'm not getting a deal in the first six months, that's such a small percentage of that 10 years. It's like, what am I going to worry about? about that for it's, you know, so that's kind of what I would say to kind of shift your perspective. And, you know, some people it's the right thing to quit because you don't really want to do it anyways, if you're not going to stick with it. So I think some people just should quit. (laughs) (laughs) And and great answer first off, because I think some people might get brought into our business for the wrong reasons, right? Make 10 K in 30 days, drive this car, get this watch, right? You know, which is all realistic, right? However, if they can't really afford to pay their next rent or car payment and they're trying to get into wholesaling to solve life problems, right? Like that's where people quit and give it a bad name and all that. So yeah, man, great, great answer. Yeah, I think part of it is this brainwashing that people have had over, I don't know how long that things are supposed to be easy. Like, take this pill and have abs or like, you know, mm-hmm. quick cash or get rich quick. It's like who on earth decided that it, you have the right to have it easily. You know, at, at no point should that be in your consideration of I want to do something because it's not going to be 
difficult. To me, that just doesn't even add up. It, it, but just be, is there a pill? Perhaps just <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I can buy a those. Yeah, we, we need some cases of those. I mean, there probably is. I don't know. <laughs> well, Brennan, man, I mean, excellent, excellent podcast because you know there's there's quite a few people out there that are looking for inspiration, and I definitely think that you inspire people here because just a year ago you didn't have your first deal, didn't know how to complete your first deal, and now you're on deal 10. So it lets people know that it is possible, man. So continue to share your story, continue to let people know that it is possible, man. And you continue to continue on your journey because you're well on the way. You know, you're already seeing a level of success now that many haven't seen that's been doing this for, you know, years. So doing 10 deals, 10 deals in a year, that's that's good good traction. If I was a sum I appreciate up, it, man. If I was to sum it up, just do it. Right, the famous saying. Right, don't overthink it. What did, what else did you do here, man? You started your podcast. Like you just took initiative, jumped at it, didn't think about it. You're resourceful, right? Try to figure out things on your own. Yeah, and you, you just went at it, man, and it just works in leveraging. You mentioned leverage. You leveraged a mentor. I know we kind of touched on that. That same thing happened to me. That's how I was able to do my deals when I got started was a mentor. You beat the learning curve. So, yep. you know, suck it up, pay, split the deal, whatever it is, just get that. Ex- the experience is worth more than your, you know, obviously check's important, you know, but those for that first check, second check, you might make a little less or whatever it is, but it, it is your proof that it's worth it. So. I I really appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, I'm by no means the guy someone should go to for like the best systems or to someone that's done the the most or in a year has the most success. I'm like super grateful for all of it. To me, it it doesn't even, I don't even think it should be real for me just because I've had some people like Alan who have taken me under their wing and I've got some really great opportunities and I've, you know, there's a certain amount of luck and there's a certain amount of just persistence and maybe like my own mental sickness of just doing things relentlessly, even when most people, when it probably might be the right decision to stop. But I guess, yeah, where I'm going with that is um, lost my train of thought there as far. Oh yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it's not about doing any one deal. It's just about sticking with it. And uh, oh, that, that's what I was going to say. I've, I've had a lot of good breaks like that. I've met some good people that have given me some opportunities, but someone listening, you know, might say, okay, well, that's just one example that wouldn't happen to me. I think if you're looking for it, like I didn't, I started with not real estate. I started with how to make money. And I think if you search for it seriously enough to the point where it's all you think about, the opportunities will just come. Not Maybe not in the same way they did for me, but they come in one way or another that will lead you to the conversation that will lead you to the conversation that will eventually be an opportunity yep. that you can have the idea to do this, that will eventually turn into that. I think that's what it's about. Well, and, and Brennan, you're, you're lucky. And the reason why I say you're lucky is because luck is the intersection between preparation and action. So if you wasn't prepared and you wasn't taking action, nine, nine, nine times out of 10, that luck wouldn't have never happened for you. You know, yeah. so you got to give yourself, you know, tons of credit also. And then, Coming from a mentor's perspective, we look for people that are going to take that initiative, that are going to show, you know, that fortitude to say, you know what, no matter what, I'm just going to get out here and do it. 
okay, you say cold call. All right, what else can I do besides cold call? You know, can I do some driving for dollars? Can I do whatever, whatever it takes in order for me to get to that next deal, man? So mm -hmm. again, kudos to you for, for all that you've accomplished. I'll Thank say, don't say, can I take you out for a cup of coffee and pick your brain? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Just that's that's too. Do what Marcus said and what Brennan did. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, yeah. 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 You probably hear that all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I feel another successful Asria show has come to a sure. conclusion. Brennan, thank you so much for being on the show. How can we get in touch with you, man? How can people find you, reach you? They had some questions. Yeah. So I mean, I'm on Instagram at Brennan underscore Weersma. I'm on Facebook. You can just search my name. And then I got my podcast, the Get Wealth Podcast on YouTube and then all other platforms as well. My phone number, 360-722-9110. If you want to text or call me, reach out to me on any of those platforms. I'm not, I'm not big enough where I won't see your message. So I'd love to talk with you. And honestly, if you wanted to just pick my brain, I'd be okay with that too. But <laughs> there <you> um, go. <laughs> once I get on your guys' level, I might have to give somebody a list or something. <laughs> Hey, you can do that now, man. Like, cause yeah. think about it. Like you're 10 deals in, there's someone at zero, right? Like if, so if you're just getting started, call Brennan, man, you know, he's yeah. off to pick his brain, bring him leads, bring him deals. If you're in Northern Arizona, give him a call, meet up with him, um, whatever it is. And, and you guys just figure out how to help each other out and, and get a deal done. So totally let's work. Love it. All Thank right, you. guys. So we will have all of Brennan's information in the show notes below. So again, you guys know what to do. Another successful podcast. Get out there, take massive action, and always, always remember to enjoy your day. You're listening to The Azria Show. If you're looking for quality real estate investing information that you can trust, you've found it. Stay tuned and join the tens of thousands of members that have already benefited from Azria, your home for education, market information, support, and networking opportunities that will advance your real estate investing career. 